Thank you for listening to the Plain State Podcast, a production of the Department of English at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. In this episode, two PhD graduates, Marianne Kunkel and Susan Martins, sit down to discuss their time at UNL and their experiences as faculty at Missouri Western State University. Hi, I'm Susan Martins, and I'm an associate professor here at Missouri Western State University in St. Joseph, Missouri. And I am here with Marianne Kunkel, and... Hi, I'm Marianne Kunkel, and I'm an assistant professor of creative writing and publishing in the English and Modern Languages Department at Missouri Western State University. And we are both uh, UNL alumni, and so we're here to talk about our trajectories and where we are now and where we came from and maybe where we're going. And I think, Marianne, can you first tell everybody about your position at Missouri Western because I remember when you uh, took the position and we were so glad to have you, but you said it was quite a unique position. And so can you tell us about what you do? Sure. Um, I, even in the title, so it's Assistant Professor of Creative Writing and Publishing. I thought it was unusual when I applied for it that it wasn't an assistant professor of English with a specialization um, kind of in the fine print. But um, I, uh, my role at our university as I see it is to teach creative writing classes, specifically poetry, which is what I'm mostly trained and published in, um, and also publishing courses. So I think the reason I was attracted to this job um, was because of my history as uh, managing editor at Prairie Schooner and listed in this job that was unusual was the responsibility to oversee two literary journals um, at Missouri Western State University. So I do both those things, teach both those classes and also teach um, general composition courses as, as they come up and are needed. Mm -hmm. And so can you talk about sort of the journey that brought you here? Uh, I know um, some of us have kind of untraditional paths, but um, yeah, tell us about your time at UNL and and then, yeah, what brought you here? For me, it feels like a dream job. I mean, the, the very fact that I um, love poetry and get to teach poetry courses um, and also um, I developed some skills in publishing just as kind of a plan B um, when I was coming into my master's program and again into my PhD. Um, after I finished the semester, I was about to finish my master's program at the University of Florida. I kind of panicked because I knew I wanted to take a couple of years off and not go straight into the PhD program, but I didn't know what skills I had at that point. I could have got on the job market, but I was 24. 23 and I felt um, I felt like I would be I would be better served to go into editing for a little while so I scrambled and found a um, um, editorial internship at the University of Press of Florida um, and then also at the same time a city magazine in Gainesville Florida um, and both of those I think were leveraged to um, I found the job on um, Craigslist, <laughs> but it was a publishing company in Gainesville, Florida as an assistant editor. Um, and I did that for a couple of years and realized I really did want to go back and get a PhD. Um, it was nice to have money and to work with words, but I was um, basically making membership magazines for all kinds of professional associations. So mm -hmm. like um, the Texas Educators Association or the big one I worked on was the Journal of Electronic Defense. And I learned all about um, electronic warfare and um, 
drones and IUDs. So um, I had no idea. It was so cool. <laughs> it was okay. <laughs> I think politically and personally, I had to kind of see myself as a spy because I was going to a lot of conferences with just like talking about the business of warfare. And it was, it was a little hard for me to oh, figure yeah. out how I felt about all of that. But um, so then when I got to University of Nebraska, I was back on the poetry track. Um, but obviously when the position opened up at Prairie Schooner, it was nice to have the, the resume to show that I could also work as an editor. Um, so I started to see those two interests as one, the creative writing and the publishing. And so this job at Missouri Western was just perfect in the way it was written. Um, and I remember coming for the interview and being prepared to do a reading, um, a creative reading, and then I think being told a couple of days before I came, it wasn't very much time, that I actually needed to do a talk on how I was going to get students jobs in publishing. Um, so I scrambled and threw something together. And then actually, I think this is just the way sometimes these interview processes go. Yeah, I was going to say, as one does on the job interview. I went out yeah. to dinner um, with some of my colleagues now and realized I'd written it all wrong and went back to the hotel and wrote it again. And hopefully, I mean, I guess it worked. I delivered something that was very... And now that I'm at the university, I think it makes even more sense. Very practical, very much about job placement. Um, so I think they were looking for me to offer some really tangible um, resources I knew for getting students jobs in editing and publishing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Do you want to talk more about your time um, with Prairie Schooner? Because that was just such a huge part of your training and background and experience. And I know you've brought a lot of that to our campus. It was. It was a wonderful time. I felt like I got this whirlwind apprenticeship in literary management. Um, and that was entirely due to Kwame Dawes, the editor who I was working with at the time. It was so interesting because when I got to the University of Nebraska, Hilda Raz had just announced her retirement. And then we didn't have an editor of Prairie Schooner for a year. We had um, Dr. Barrett, who was graciously stepped in as interim. Um, so by the time... Kwame Dawes and I got together as a team, I was just kind of trying to keep up with all of his ideas and I totally ripped him off. I think he's, hopefully he thinks it's flattery, but <laughs> there are things that I'm doing still that I think maybe, um, I think he's he's moved on and, and built greater empires. But one of the things I can think of is um, the authors that we've brought to Missouri Western that I've worked to get the funds to bring, um, we always pair them with a interdisciplinary component. And that was entirely Kwame's, uh, that was his example. Um, mm -hmm. And so it's been nice. I created a podcast. I knew how to do that because I had gotten that experience at Prairie Schooner working with the journalism department. So I did the same and approached the journalism department at Missouri Western, and we've had that thriving. And um, it's been really neat. I think I got a taste of all of his talents when I was there. And then I, by following them through where I am and kind of making them more kind of our trademark projects, I've just every year I see the benefits and the wisdom and the things that he taught me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, you have brought so many wonderful uh, writers and poets to our campus. Uh, do you want to talk about maybe your favorite memories of 
of those oh interactions. Goodness. I mean, Nikki Giovanni. I know. <laughs> I was like, how long do you want me to talk about Nikki Giovanni? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, it's been wonderful. And each time I've really tried to work with the students to empower them and have them be the ones to request who we bring. Um, that's worked every time. Um, so the first year we brought Taylor Molly and it was mm -hmm. a great first year. It allowed you and me to collaborate, I think, and really see our overlap with so fantastic. educators yeah. and the creative writing community. Um, the second year we brought Ellen Hopkins, um, who I think brought out a ton of high school mm -hmm. students in the area. Her book, um, several of her books um, really appeal to um, like the young adult genre, the young adult crowd. Um, and I've had students since I taught who became English majors because of those coming to those events. Um, then it was Nikki Giovanni, mm -hmm. I think. And I remember my students, I had taught one of her poems. So I'm a little sneaky in that, like, I plant ideas in their minds. If I want to bring somebody, then I'll assign that person <laughs> in one of my classes. Very smart. Um, and so someone suggested her, and I remember writing her name on the board and being like, ha, she'll never come. <laughs> but I told them, I was like, unless I'm not a grave digger, like, I won't, you know, they have, they can't, they have to be alive. But um, I... I called her and she called me back and it was just so surreal and I just have always really admired her and um, it turned into us coordinating her coming and then um, the university president bought in and we got a lot of support in the community and she was just amazing and um, I think at that point I just felt kind of like a a midwife, like somebody who was just mm. like helping bring this experience to all of us. And I, I do remember about that time that I would, I picked her up at the hotel and she had a big fur coat on and she smelled amazing. I got to find out she wears Joe Malone perfume, <laughs> if you care. <laughs> and, um, uh, I was picking her up and I was taking her places. We went to dinner and I was just so like in the in the zone that Kwame and others had taught me of just like being professional. Um, and so it was only when I dropped her off at the airport and was driving back that I just, I was crying all that day. <laughs> and I think it was just so, it was, she's I like, she's just an amazing person and legendary for all that she's done to impact the history of literature and culture. And, um, but I couldn't really feel it until after it was over. Mm. Um, and I remember Dave, my husband, like, me saying like I need to talk about this and he was like okay so we I'd tell him a little bit about how it went and we'd move on and I was like I still need to talk about this mm -hmm. <laughs> like, <laughs> it just took me a while to kind of like come down from that moment so it, that was probably I mean clearly you can tell from my enthusiasm just a wonderful experience and then we brought Melissa De La Cruz um who is a very uh successful fiction um, writer with Disney. She's got some collaborations with them. Um, and then we brought Kwame mm -hmm. last year and had the Missouri Western dancers dance while he performed, which I thought was really touching. Um, and this year, it's actually one of my colleagues, Bill Church, who has taught, um, again, it works to just like plant the seed with the students and then ask them like, who in your heart would you like? Um, they kind of organically suggested this woman that he had assigned her her books, um, Deb Olin Unferth. So we're all really excited for her, and she's a big name and and McSweeney's and just a very um, prolific writer. So, mm -hmm. And we're gonna, we're trying to get the I I the, I think all the details are in place for the, the um, cinema department to do a short film mm -hmm. based on her very very short fiction that she writes. Yeah, I am just so grateful for my 
pizza with Nikki Giovanni. She was just yeah. like, I'm so lucky Marianne's here. And Wasn't that amazing? Could, yeah, and she was just so warm and... Her um, agent had told me she probably went just like downtime that night. Oh. So I just left a little note saying like, if you need anything, call me. And she called and she was like, I don't want to eat by myself. So mm-hmm. I called people I knew and could get a hold of and mm-hmm. yeah, glad you were no. available. Oh, man. I'm so grateful. Yeah. So many wonderful uh, writers that you brought to the community. But I, uh, you are a wonderful writer in our community, too. And I want you to talk about your last book, Hillary Made Up. And it just has been so exciting to watch the reception of that. I know I I sent you a picture, I think, of me reading some of your poems to my 12-year-old niece at her house. And just, you know, uh, after the 2016 election, just being able to read that and think about, you know, Hillary as a person and Hillary as a phenomenon and where we are. So do you want to talk a bit about where that book came from and what it's been like to promote it and watch people's reactions sure that was really sweet that picture you sent me thank you (laughs) um so that was a book that i you know you have your dissertation i worked on that at unl and got a lot of poems published from that but i somebody told me this term finalist hell it was in a lot of it, it was making a lot of the finalist lists for book publication um and in the meantime i think my heart and mind were changing and I just moved on to this different project, but it was definitely triggered by the 2016 election and watching a woman get to kind of get to the highest place. I mean, to be the um, nominee for a major political party. Um, And then I think feeling the fallout as a woman um, in the professional workspace. So it, it, um, You know, it's not a book that mentions a lot of other politicians. I think it mentions our current president like six times. It mentions her husband twice. Um, I have a few poems about Bernie. (laughs) Um, But it's mostly me kind of um, grappling with the reality of performing and having my body on display, having certain physical expectations that take time and money um, put on me to be taken seriously in the professional space. And then also realizing that those don't always work. Um, So I kind of, to me, it seemed like that was connected to her failure was like, what does a female, what does a successful female president look like? We don't know um, because it hasn't worked so far. So um, I was putting makeup on the morning after the election to get ready to go to school and have these conferences with my students um, and just crying. And I've always had very conflicting relationships with with makeup. Um, Even when I was little and I begged my parents to wear it and my sister taught me how to wear it. And I just have since then fallen kind of in and out of love with the whole ritual. Um, And I did learn on the book tour really beautifully how different women's and men's relationships are to makeup. One person in Georgia said it was her morning meditation, which I thought Mm. was really pretty. Um, But reading between the lines of um, Hillary's life, and I've done a lot of research on her to write the book, it does seem to me like it's more of a chore. I mean, it's not something that she's even doing for herself. It's someone in a chair on her campaign who's Mm. putting her face together as she probably reads memos and scrolls through Twitter and all the things she needs to do to stay stay active. Um, so the, I thought to get to the vantage point where I could be 
intimate enough with her to speak about her with knowledge, um, I would speak from the point of perspective of the makeup. And I also thought there was some really natural tension there if she wasn't a huge fan of makeup, um, to have these things speaking, testifying of her, witnessing her, of her, um, who also are kind of catching on that she's not a fan of them. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the book. And it was very therapeutic, I think, to promote, um, to go across the country. That was like in the fall of 2018, mostly. I took a week off. I was fortunate to get to do that and um, read all over the country and hear people's impressions. And my good, good friend, Jonathan Lesh, who made the cover, created these cute um uh, crayons, customized crayons. So I would, I glued all these paper copies over the crayon wrappers that said like, um, concession was purple cause she wore a purple jacket when she gave her concession speech and yellow was onward, which was a big buzzword for her after the election. And anyway, and then there were coloring sheets, just black and white and people could color in however they wanted. And I still have those and only one of them has devil horns on them, (laughs) 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 but they're very, um, that too is a testament. And I've had fun even looking through them with my four-year-old and, um, he knows her name. I don't think he knows much more about her than that, but, um, kind of seeing the variety of really of like, how we color her in right so that gap in celebrity of just like what must they be like and we kind of get to decide but part of the allure of deciding is that we really don't know um and and the cherry on top all tour i got asked like has she read the book and at first it was kind of an exciting thing like i don't know i've sent her a copy we'll see and then like six months later it was like please stop asking me this. <laughs> like, I didn't have a good answer, um, but it was really neat. I finally sent a copy to her hair salon because the one, the last poem in the book takes place in the salon. Mm-hmm. And um, I got a letter from her that said that the salon had passed it along and thanking me for the cheerful expression or something. So I don't think it's that cheerful. I think the book is really sad. Yeah, <laughs> it is. Yeah, there are some pretty hard hard-hitting poems in there but if there's ever like someone who recovers you know i'm like that's probably more about her than me to call a book like that cheerful yeah so what's next for your, your writing life and your teaching life and um we've had some fun developments at missouri western i've been um pleased to get the support of my chair and my dean to move our national literary journal to two times a year um to take it out of the undergraduate focus it's been a national undergraduate journal which i really tried to roll with and i've enjoyed giving students their first publication you know being the the medium for that but um that's something i'm looking at in the future is um turning it into something that could be, you know, years down the road, a a prairie schooner. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm working on that. And then my own poetry, I'm trying to finish a manuscript um, that every time I describe it, people seem, it's been very nice. People have seemed like, oh, interesting. So I'm like, okay, it must be interesting. I need to finish it. um, There are poems that I wrote about women in the Book of Mormon. I grew up Mormon and um, fell out of that at 18 or 19, but obviously you can't really fall out of a religion like that. Um, And my big thing as a feisty teenager was, you know, the portrayal of women or the lack of portrayal of women in the book. Um, It's very similar, I think, to other religious texts in that way where they play kind of supporting roles or um, they're seen as, um, 
you know, um, the mothers of important men. Um, so each poem profiles a different woman in the Book of Mormon, and it's me kind of talking with her, um, figuring out, they've actually been very healing because I think one of the great things about art is that you can't actually start out angry and end angry. I think art demands of us that we um, reckon with a, a more multidimensional feeling. So um, the poems that I've had published that I felt have been successful have been um, more kind of um, finding strength in, in the women that maybe at face value on the page don't look as strong. Um, and so I'm going to finish that. I got about two thirds of a manuscript and then ran out of women. <laughs> if that tells you anything about how many women there are in the Book of Mormon. Um, and then my mom passed away a few years ago. So I think I'm going to fill the rest of the book with poems about her and re-envisioning her as someone feminist. Um, so hopefully it feels a little different. I was telling somebody I can't do the same gimmicky I think it would become a gimmick if I just did these concept books one after the other. Mm -hmm. And Hillary Maynup was a strict concept book. Mm -hmm. um, and this one, I want to have a few more um, seemingly personal and kind of varied lenses in the same book. I'm so looking forward to reading your next book. Honestly, uh, Hillary Maynup was just a joy, even though it was a little depressing. But mm -hmm. I just want to say thank you for sharing your story. And thank you so much for being my colleague and my friend at Missouri Western State University. Yes, We're very fortunate to have you. Special thanks to Susan Martins and Marianne Kunkel. Plain State is produced by Robert Lipscomb. Post-production by Stephen Ramsey. Music by Shadows on a River. My name is Nathan Stasny. On behalf of the Department of English at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln, thank you for listening to the Plain State Podcast. Tagline forthcoming. <laughs>